0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What up and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host James Erpine. You'll be hearing from our other host Jake Lisco coming up in just a bit. And today's show brought to you by Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to statherocom On for 300% back on your first play. It's a split episode. We haven't done one of these in a while, but As uh, the only Daily Bengals podcast out there, every once in a while we split them up. And speaking of daily podcasts, we are in June going to three episodes a week. So just a quick reminder that if you are thrown off by our news schedule, we'll have three episodes a week, essentially for you Monday morning, Wednesday morning, and Friday morning. And obviously we end with the mailbag, which if you're new to Locked on Bengals, we do a weekly mailbag where we take your questions on Twitter at Locked on Bengals. And we answer them. So we take the best questions we get and, and we answer those. And it's uh, certainly one of our most fun, if not the most fun, we have doing this show because we get to interact directly with each and every one of you, or as many as we can at least, uh, throughout the season. And in this case, the off season. A quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, should be up to date, should be good to go. And while you're there, give us a five-star review so more Bengals fans and NFL fans can uh, find Locked on Bengals. All right, without further ado, let's dive on in. It's a split mailbag. First couple of segments, you're going to get me, then you'll get Jake Lisko on our third segment, and we will be back together, the dynamic duo for Sunday's show, which is going to cover some OTAs and look ahead to minicamp, which I will be at next week. But Let's dive into the mailbag again, at Locked on, Bengals on Twitter. And let's start with AC Wheels 10. Other than Joe Burrow, if one player could have a season that puts them in the top three of their position in the league, what player would that be? And then he also went on to say, basically, what player will have the biggest impact leading to success? Whew. I would say Jonah Williams could have a huge impact if you could see him not only stay healthy but then take a huge leap where we're not talking about, oh, look at that Jamar Chase catch, but what if Soul is blocking and it's who the hell needs Soul? We got Jonah Williams. So I think that would be, in a perfect world, the one. Uh, that being said, AC, I do think – That, you know, Jamar Chase could certainly be in that conversation, right? I mean, Justin Jefferson is maybe not top three receivers, but he's a a considered a top 10 receiver, I would say, at this stage after just one amazing year. And Jamar Chase could vault himself into that conversation. I think that's realistic. I think Joe Mixon, certainly another player that could do that and, and and really take a step forward this year. So outside of Joe Burrow, you're seeing a bunch of different skill players I think that could do that. And obviously T. Higgins, again, top three, maybe not. But if we're talking about T. Higgins as a top 10, top 15, top 20 receiver in the NFL, I don't think that's crazy. And Boyd's probably on the cusp of that anyway. Certainly one of the better slot receivers in the NFL. On defense, I don't really see it. I mean, I guess if Trey Hendrickson doubles down on his 13-sack season last year with New Orleans and says, hey, I can do the same thing in Cincinnati and be just as productive. Then you could see him vault up. You know, if he has another 13-sack, 14-sack campaign, even double digits, you're talking about him being one of the the higher-end pass rushers in the NFL. Next question comes from Kyle Parker, at DarthBerserker9 on Twitter. Do you think this team will mimic the 2005 squad, defensive creates turnovers while Joe Burrow in the offense puts up 30 plus per game or could this team be its own hybrid monster Kyle I think that is the quickest path to success if you're trying to paint a picture of how the Bengals explode on the scene and catch people off guard and not only do that but make a playoff push it's averaging 30 plus a game and what goes hand in hand with that opportune turnovers and big plays on defense so Trey Hendrickson sacks Mike Hilton force fumbles and recoveries, Von Bell big hits, Jesse Bates interceptions. That's kind of the blueprint for me because I don't think that they're ready to just be this you know great wall so to speak, right? And just this defensive juggernaut. But can they be playmakers? Can they take advantage of, of certain situations? Can they force a fumble here? Uh, force a couple of interceptions? Can they trick Baker Mayfield on the road into throwing a couple of picks? Like those, those are the type of things that I think are realistic in a perfect world. And so the path to them being a good, 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 really good or great team is that, but I just don't think that they're ready to be that 2005 team. I think the 2005 Bengals were better and this might be a take, but you know, I, I think the 2005 Bengals are better than the 15 team. Uh, I, I think for their higher end talent was just there. They had a better quarterback, um, and so that's that's the tough part of it is when you compare that 05 team and i get it they were flawed they were young in some areas and honestly i thought that that was just the start and we did too right and looking back that was one of the i mean that's my favorite bengal's team of all time because of the era uh you know that i grew up in but yeah i i think that that's kind of the blueprint now with this team i still don't know if they have enough playmakers on defense to get that done i certainly know they don't have the offensive linemen as of right now to get that done again maybe jonah williams takes a step forward but there's no willie anderson bobby williams i mean you know you could go down the list rich bram i mean those guys were proven offensive linemen like really high-end linemen and uh th- that's certainly going to be a part of it but yeah if the offensive line takes a step the defense fits better in lou could there be that possibility of them being that sort of team? Absolutely, I think so. Next question comes from Adam Wood at BengalsFan118, and he's also looking to the past. Adam asks, if you could add one former offensive and one former defensive Bengals player to this year's team, who would you add on both sides of the ball, assuming all players are in their prime? Well, on offense, how do you not add Anthony Munoz? Right? The best player in franchise history, offensive line, certainly a need. So that would be one. If you want a more modern-day version, that's fine. It would be Willie Anderson. I mean, either way, uh, that, that's that's the route you go to. Or you could say Andrew Whitworth if you want to go uh, with Andrew Whitworth. But any of those offensive linemen, I think, uh, are the no-brainer because you feel like you have the quarterback, right, who, who could be the next Ken Anderson or Boomer and You feel like you have the, the skill players. And sure, it would be great to add – You know Isaac Curtis or Chad Johnson or insert whoever you want or a Corey Dillon at running back, right? But you have guys that could potentially hit those type of ceilings. So to me, it would be offensive line. And then defensively, that's a tough one. It is. That's a tough one. But they have really good safeties. Uh, Defensive line would be interesting. I mean, I I would probably say that. I'd probably go back, could you get a prime Geno Atkins right now? Because that could be such a game changer for everything. You know, and and so that that might be one that I would uh, I would seriously consider, and not just might I would. You could go the linebacker route, but in this day and age, is that uh, where you want to use that pick, so to speak? Uh, Ken Riley at cornerback I think would be an interesting one. So those are the the ones that stand out to me just off the jump. And so I'll say modern day Geno Atkins, throwback Ken Riley. So look at me going out on a limb and saying, hey. Anthony Munoz and Ken Riley could help out this offense and defense. And if you want to go modern, Willie Anderson, Andrew Whitworth could help out on offense. (laughs) and Geno Atkins could help out on defense. How about that for a take? I'm known for hot takes. Uh, I don't know about how hot that take is. I think that's just a a take. Either way, we'll be back with more of the Weekend Mailbag next. There's nothing worse than losing in daily fantasy. And did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? And is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. That's where Stat Hero comes in. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the House in a head to head fantasy matchup. You name the stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero shows you their lineup ahead of time. So you know what they're playing. No one else does that. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. You can sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. It's easy to sign up, and you got a shot to win. Again, they're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for better odds. Again, stathero.com slash locked on. We talk about it all the time here on Locked On Bengals. Built Bar is the way to go. You might have a beach vacation coming up, or you're just trying to shed that quarantine 15. It doesn't matter. Built Bar can help you get there. I use them. I've used them for years. You should try them out, too. They have nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited edition flavor, and they're going to have something for everybody, whether it's the raspberry, mint, brownie, peanut butter, brownie, double chocolate, coconut, coconut, almond, and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. And the best part about them, packed with protein, low in sugar. Low in calories, perfect for you. So go to builtbar.com right now and use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. It's that simple. Do it, folks, and thank us later. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. The weekend mailbag rolls on, and Joel Chandler is up next at Joel the Punk Kid. Asks, do you think the old journalism saying of you can't be a fan of the team you cover has been disproven? Clearly, you guys and Joe want the Bengals to succeed, and I think he's referring to Joe Goodberry there. But are able to cover the team pretty objectively. And well, here's the thing, uh, and, and I'll speak for myself um, in just a second. But as far as Jake and Joe, I think they're just really good at analyzing the you know the good and the bad of situations. Like their minds work that way, and certainly the film and the circumstances, and they're honest and realistic about it. So that really helps them. But they're they're also fans like and they admit that especially Joe I mean Joe's full on fan I think that's part of the reason why uh he retired and I'm not knocking that that's great to be a fan and and wear jerseys and and wear gear and all that stuff but as far as myself I wouldn't call myself a Bengals fan I couldn't tell you the last time I cheered for a Bengals touchdown um probably 6 years ago you know it, it might have honestly been the uh the Vontez Perfect interception. I wasn't covering the team yet then. Um, you know, I was talking about them on the radio, but I was not covering them yet. This podcast had not been founded yet. But the interception against the Steelers in the playoff game, because uh, I was it was one of my last, I guess, fandom games or whatever you want to say. But as I transitioned into this journalism role, where I I just started writing more, and then obviously I went to Cleveland and covered the Cavs and Indians. I wanted those teams to do well too, uh, selfishly because it's more fun to cover a winner. You, you can, one, it, it's just more relevant, right? You're you're more, you feel like what you're doing matters more when you're covering a winner versus not. So there are benefits to it. But you also get to know these guys on a personal level. For example, Tyler Boyd. My first year of being in the Bengals locker room and getting to know guys what was that 2016 season. So if you want to blame me for the curse, uh, you know, of you know five straight playoff, failures or unable to reach the playoffs in five straight losing seasons. Well, maybe you can even though I wasn't covering the Bengals in 2019. And, um, you know, I had still been in the locker room and stuff, but my role just expanded then. And I made, you know, I got tight with Tyler Boyd. You know, I'd see him, I'd shake his hand every time. And he was young, I was young, and I'm a little bit older than him. But it was just, it was an easy connection. And so I want Tyler Boyd to do well. I root for Tyler Boyd, but I'm not wearing Bengals gear and cheering when Boyd scores touchdown, but it's like, oh, that's that's great to see him have success. So yeah, I root for players, like to have success from a personal standpoint, but I don't think that gets in the way of how I do my job. So however you want to say that, but I, I think I can remain objective. Like I grew up a Bengals fan. I don't think I look at anything the Bengals do in that that way to that degree like I did when I was 10 or 11 or 12 or 15 when I they would just break my heart. I'm not heartbroken when they lose now. I'm looking at the good, the bad, how they fix it, what they do the analytical side of it, what questions I should ask, what they're saying after the game, the injuries, takeaways, all the stuff you want from that that side of it because I you know, I wanted that stuff the moment a game ended. I wanted to read and hear and, and watch about the Bengals as a kid, and, and uh, obviously, it, the the internet has exploded since then. So that's always been my goal. When I you know started doing this at a professional level, if that makes sense, is to make sure I'm giving the fans everything they could want, whether it is now podcasting, which has become such a huge, huge thing, and Locked On Bengals has just exploded, and it's all thanks to all the great Bengals fans out there or video and what i do with cincinnati bengals talk on youtube or allbengals.com and and so i don't know i i think that there are a lot of local media throughout sports in general that like me they're from the city that they you know of the team they cover but they can also put that aside now does that mean that you can be a fan and not i don't know i don't wear bengal stuff like i don't have like a go bengals Bumper sticker. Um, I don't say we. I don't, you know, things like that that you hear from fan, Which, by the way, we is fine if you are a fan. I, I get it. I understand it. I am not knocking it. Some people do that. Um, so that that's kind of where I am at with it. I just think there is a line, and you can't cross that line. But I am not. I am not uncomfortable saying I want Tyler Boyd to do well, or I, you know, I am rooting for Joe Bro to succeed because I see what happens when an athlete like that succeeds. In your hometown, I was in Cleveland, and I, you, you mentioned LeBron James, and they, their faces light up up there, and it's because he changed everything, and if Burrow wins here, he's going to change everything, and so that's, I think it's fair to acknowledge that and see that and talk about it and discuss it while also not being biased and covering the team objectively. So, Joel, I, I hope that answered the question. That was a long-winded answer, but I, I do think a lot of people are are interested in that. And who knows, maybe Jake would have more to share on that one. We could always discuss that more down the line, but that's my answer. Next question comes from Zach at Zachary S. Wolf on Twitter. Avid listener, first time asking a question. Well, thanks, Zach. Appreciate you chiming in. Other than the obvious candidates. Who do you see as a possible deep sleeper to make and contribute to this roster in the regular season? I'll give you a couple. And one, some fans are already on and others, I think they're about to find out. I think Chris Evans has got a real shot, man. He's got the size. He's got like the look. Like if Chris Evans came in as a third rounder and he had all these pelts on the wall from Michigan. You know, numbers-wise, and much like he did as a freshman, we'd be like, oh, shoot, this dude is certainly going to succeed Giovanni Bernard and could play a factor and might end up uh, surpassing P. Ryan, certainly in 2022, worst case. I think he's got that look. And, and Chris Evans, man, just the size, his legs, uh, his ability to catch out of the backfield, the way he moves. Like, there are certain guys that you notice, and I haven't seen him up close, but his size still stands out, and I I think that matters a lot. So that would be one. Two, and Jake is going to kill me for not letting him chime in on this one, but don't be shocked if Thad Moss, don't be shocked if Thaddeus Moss is in the mix a little bit, and that's nothing against CJ Uzama or Drew Sample, but I do think that Moss looks like this Type of tight end that's just going to move really, really well. And uh, he looks like he's in better shape than he was even at LSU. He told Dan Hort on the Bengals Booth podcast that he's not only in better shape now, but he just feels healthy. His body feels healthy, healthier than it has really ever in recent years. So obviously, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to get the playbook down. But we know he's got a rapport with Joe Burrow. And I just, I would not be shocked. Not saying he's even going to make the team, but could he... One, make the team over Mason Shrek. I think there's a possibility of that. Two, could he end up by mid-year catching a pass here or there? I would not be surprised at all if Thad Moss is the other one there. I'm going to answer one more question and then turn it over to Jake Lisko, who's going to continue with the weekend mailbag and answering your questions. CJ, at WhoCJ on Twitter, and it's literally C-E-E, asks... Looking ahead to the roster construction, if Puka Williams makes it to the 53 as the main punt returner, would it be safe to say Trevion Williams would be the odd man out? Well, first, let's start here. I don't know if Puka Williams is going to be in the mix at punt returner. The other day, and it was just one practice, but he wasn't even lining up for punt returns when I saw him. In fact, he wasn't getting a lot of running back work. He was doing wide receiver routes and working out with the wide receivers. But as far as the punt returners go, it was undrafted free agent signing out of Northwestern, Riley Lees. He's a wide receiver. Tyler Boyd was back there. And then it was uh, Trent Taylor, who I think is the favorite and should be considered the favorite right now to win that starting punt returner job alongside Darius Phillips, who should be in the mix as well. Um, But that being said, you never know. That could have just been one practice and they wanted to get those guys work. And Puka Williams could be one of those guys that plays himself in the mix. But. At this stage, I don't think that's the case. But to answer your larger question, CJ, could Travion Williams be on the chopping block, so to speak? I think so. Because again, Chris Evans, I like what I'm seeing from him. And so if Puka Williams outplays Williams or shows he can be more valuable on special teams than Travion Williams, which will be hard to do, I think. I think Williams is a pretty solid special teams contributor and Puka Williams is buck seventy-five. Soaking wet, right? He's a, he's a lean guy. He doesn't have the size or anything of Evans. Doesn't seem like that, but who knows? Maybe he's this versatile weapon that can be a force on special teams or a contributor, at least on special teams. And yeah, I mean, if, if Evans makes the roster, then someone's on the chopping block in that running back room. And I think it would be Williams if another one of these rookies is going to make it in Williams, Travion Williams, um, which I guess I should just call him Travion and call Puka Puka. But uh, yeah, I do. I think if Puka makes the roster, then either Chris Evans isn't on it or Trevion Williams isn't on it. And that's going to come down to special teams. That's going to come down to health and production, which we'll see in training camp and in the preseason. Up next, Jake Lisco is here. He's ready. He's warming up those vocal cords, and he is going to take you home in segment three of the Weekend Mailbag rockauto.com is the place to go to stay on the road. Look, I get it. You do not want unreliable transportation. No one does. It is the worst. There's nothing worse than having to sweat when you're trying to start your car. And rockauto.com can not only help you stay on the road, but it has every little to big thing you need to maintain your car and make sure it is reliable each and every day when you go to start it. Rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving Auto Parts customers online for more than two decades. And the best part about them, you can shop from the convenience of your own home and you get to save money while you do it. I mean, there's nothing better than that. And they just have lower prices than these big box stores. They can ship directly to you. It's the same for the mechanics as it is for the do-it-yourselfer. So you save money maintaining your vehicle. I've used them. You should too. So make sure you go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in there. How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Hello,
0: fine people of the Locked On Bengals podcast listener universe. I'm Jake Lisko as James Tease here with you for the last segment of the show this week, this week's weekend mailbag. I've got some questions I'm going to answer here. And the first one I'm going to answer, and James isn't here to, I don't know if he would defend himself or not, but Governor Chief asks what position I think James would play if he was a professional football player. He also asked James what position I would play if I was a professional football player, but James isn't here. So I get to answer this on my own. And I think James's build really restricts him. He's not tall enough to play on the offensive line, to play wide receiver, to play really most positions in the NFL. But assuming he was athletically gifted enough to play in the NFL in the first place, he had the ability, he had the athletic testing requirements or whatever it was, I think James would be a running back. He could be that strong, shifty running back type. And if it's not that, then maybe a linebacker. I don't know. He's a pretty big guy for his height. So I'm thinking of these dense positions where you're not very tall, but you move relatively well and you're pretty big. Something like running back, linebacker, fullback. I feel like James would be one of those. Next question comes from Bengal Barrel at Barrel Bengal on Twitter. He wants to know if Larry Ogunjobi can play three tech. The team is really counting on it. And the answer to this question is that's where Larry Ogunjobi is primarily experienced. So if any of you didn't know that or were doubting Ogunjobi's ability to play the three technique, that's the defensive tackle that aligns between the guard and the tackle, which Geno Atkins did. For his career in Cincinnati, Joby was absolutely brought in to play that role. Will he be in that role on third downs? That is the big question. With news that Trey Hendrickson is apparently getting some reps at three tech as the Bengals look to be very versatile and multiple up front. We saw Sam Hubbard kick inside and play some three tech last year. We saw Cameron Sample play some three tech in his collegiate career and some five tech. Things that are generally a little bit inside compared to where you would expect an edge rusher to line up. So between all those guys, we'll see who ends up as their third down pass rushing three tech versus their base down three tech. If they even play a base down three tech, what their base down defense looks like. Because I think with the overhaul of the defensive line, it'll be really interesting to see what combinations we see in different packages and groupings and rotations in this year's iteration of the defensive line and the defensive front, Luana Rumo's defense. Next question comes from Jay Gundler at Jay Guns 381 We've got a lot of questions today about Billy Price. A lot of you very interested in the former Ohio State center. And Jay wants to know, will Trey Hopkins move to left guard so Billy Price can play center? In Price's first year under Pollock, Jay believes that Price performed admirably. It seems he would have improved in a second year under Pollock. I think Billy Price is a, one of the first guys off the bench. Maybe not the first guy off the bench, depending on the position, but certainly I think the first guy off the bench at center. But Trey Hopkins looks like he will probably be ready for opening day, and if he's not, then I think Billy Price will certainly get his shot. But I really don't think there's much conversation around moving Hopkins so that Price can play center. the The competition at left guard is is deep you got Xavier Suafila. you got Quentin Spain you got Hakeem Adenergy apparently you got Mike Jordan who Paul Daner Jr. by the way at The Athletic wrote a great piece about his effort to improve and how personally he took it when Joe Burrow got hurt and and he took the blame for it in a big way so a very deep competition there and I think Billy Price is in the mix he's in the mix at left guard he's in the mix at right guard and obviously he's taking snaps at center in case Trey Hopkins isn't ready, we'll learn a lot more about this in training camp when we know whether Hopkins is ready to go at that point in time. And if he's not ready to go in camp, then I think Price is probably getting all of the work at center in case he needs to play there at the beginning of the year. But I really don't think with the the veteran depth they have and that, that's already competing at left guard that it makes sense to move Trey to make room for Billy unless Billy Price has taken massive strides. And, and I'm not really expecting that at this point, right? When when you're in your fourth year in the NFL, there's no reason to expect major, major improvement. It doesn't never happen. Sorry for the double negative. Sometimes it happens, but there's no reason to, to expect it is, is what I'm saying. So if Price earns a starting job, that's great. That's great news for the Bengals, but I'm not personally counting on it. Next question comes from John, John Callison, at John Callison4 on Twitter. He wants to know which corner will match up best with the Bengals wide receivers in 7s on 7s and eleven on 11s. Will it be the slot matchup of Mike Hilton against Tyler Boyd? Will it be Trey Waynes against Higgins or Chase or Abouzier against the other one? I actually think the Abouzier-Higgins matchup might be the most interesting battle Trey Waynes against Jamar Chase just for the veteran savvy will be really interesting as well for the young guy to get reps against a guy that has been around for a long time and had that pedigree, was a first-round pick. Awuzier, obviously, very athletic. So here's why I like those matchups. Awuzie, like I said, very athletic. Against T. Higgins, not as athletic, but has his game refined itself enough that he can beat Awuzier and get open. Or will Awuzier's athleticism play up? against a guy with T Higgins style, or I guess the third option is has T Higgins added some juice where he's not nursing a hamstring. Maybe he's feeling better and is matured into his body a little bit more and has added a little bit of athleticism this year. So that was really interesting. Wayne's from a, from a press man corner perspective against Chase is really interesting as well. One thing we would like to see from Jamar Chase is diversify his tool set for beating press man coverage, tight press coverage and the jam. So that's one that I think would be cool to watch and see how does Jamar Chase deal with uh, Trey Waynes in a press man situation. As far as Hilton versus Boyd, I think Boyd probably gets the best of that matchup, but we'll see. Right. I I mean, those guys have gone gone against each other quite a bit in uh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati matchups in the past. But I do like Boyd's savvy and ability to run routes versus Hilton's pure coverage ability. I think Hilton is his value really comes as a versatile piece who's good in a lot of different looks. Next question comes from Sergeant Hude. At Sarge Hude on Twitter wants to know: other than the offensive line, what position group are you most worried about going in to minicamp? There are a number of ways you could go with this, right? We've talked a lot in the last few weeks about how a lot of different position groups on the Bengals have a lot to prove. But for me, the biggest one is the defensive line. Totally revamped. A lot of new faces. A lot of very young players. And some guys that I'm skeptical in. So is Sam Hubbard going to be... You know, the the high hustle, high motor, good run defender that he's been. Is he going to add a pass rushing element to his game that's a little bit more consistent? Will he find more ways to win when he kicks inside? That's a big question. Trey Hendrickson, obviously a wild card. Is he going to have that kind of production that he had with the Saints? Very good defensive line with the Bengals defensive line that has a lot to prove. Obviously, DJ Reader's health, Tyler Shelvin's transition as a backup to DJ Reader. And then three tech depth. We've talked about this a little bit. There's, there is as Bengal barrel, Bengal barrel pointed out earlier, a lot of expectations for Ogun Joby, Larry Ogan Joby from the Browns to come in and play quality, reliable, frequent three tech for the Bengals. I think there will be a rotation there on pass rushing downs, but the depth at three tech behind Ogan especially on base downs really makes me wonder what the plan is there. So this is a multi-pronged answer. I think they're changing a lot in what they're going to present as a defensive front. And there's a lot of new faces. So the rookies, Osai, Sample, Shelvin, the new guys in Ogun, Joby, and Hendrickson, and even to some extent, TJ Reader, who hardly got to play for this team last year. This is just a totally revamped group. So I don't know if I'm, I'm worried. Maybe that's not the right word, but I'm certainly very intrigued there maybe a little bit worried about cornerback as well, how these guys are going to hold up in coverage, but they will be tested and we'll find out pretty quick. I think if these receivers are running free all day against this reassembled cornerback group as well, a couple more questions I'm going to try to fit in here a little bit short on time. The Bengalorian at the Bengalorian, you all know him wants to know if James or I will shotgun a beer with him at the Jags game. And I don't know if James, will. he'll be up in the press box, maybe, maybe at the tailgate before the game. I'm not sure he's allowed to drink before he goes up to the press box. For me, it'll be a very special occasion. I've got to say to shotgun a beer and it is a special occasion, but, uh, being as I don't really drink more than once or twice a year and haven't shotgunned a beer maybe ever, maybe in 10 years. You're asking a lot, Bengo, but there's a lot of guys out there that I know well, and some of them responded to you. Governor Chief, a question I took a little bit earlier, is one of those. And let's fit in one last question. If I favorited your question and didn't get to it, I do apologize. But very limited on time. As you know, as these episodes tend to be, we get like 50 questions, and then we end up answering about 6 or 10 or 15 of them at the most. But the last question I'll take today Comes from my buddy Bengals Sands, who you should all be following on Twitter for his great film work. The question he asks is, what do you think the split will be for wide zone versus inside zone and gap versus zone? And of course, he's talking about running game and the target of those runs and design of the run blocking. This is a team that I expect will remain one of the heaviest zone teams in the NFL. But I do think we'll see a trend this year where there is more gap stuff incorporated in the running game across the league as defenses have adapted increasingly well to the outside zone running scheme by changing the kinds of fronts they present to offenses and making it generally more challenging for the outside zone blocks and landmarks to be hit consistently from offenses that run it a lot. So I do think that we'll see More gap concepts sprinkled in for heavy zone teams is just a way to keep defenses honest and punish them for playing some of these fronts that are being developed to stop the wide zone. The other part of this is wide zone versus inside zone. Zach Taylor came from LA where they were uh, clearly a wide zone team. This is... Something that was a clear Sean McVay staple in the Rams Super Bowl run that Zach Taylor was a part of. And then in Cincinnati, Zach Taylor comes along. And in 2020, the Bengals are the heaviest inside zone team in the NFL, not even an outside zone team last year, really much at all. And a lot of the reason for that is that the Bengals don't believe, as we've talked to Brian Callahan about, in running outside zone very much out of shotgun. And they're a very heavy shotgun team. So I think we'll see them get under center a little bit more. And I've talked about this a few times. And a big reason for that is to enable the wide zone a little bit more. Because I think they will continue their tendency to do a lot out of the gun. I think we will still see quite a bit of inside zone out of those looks. But I do expect it to get a lot closer to 50-50 in wide versus inside zone than last year. Maybe not all the way there because of how heavy of a gun team i think they will still be but we'll start to see that start to equalize with frank pollock coming to town zone specialist wide zone specialist that's going to want to get them under center more and i think we'll start to see these things equalize a little bit in the wide zone versus inside zone split i still think they'll be a zone heavy team especially with mixon especially if everybody's healthy and like I said, I'll be interested to see what kind of wrinkles they build in with some of the fronts the defensive coordinators are deploying to try to clog up the wide zone offenses out there. That is all the time that we have today for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We went a little bit long. I know three days a week has been rough for some of you. Hope you like the a little bit of additional content we get here with going a little bit long. And like James said, will be back very soon, mandatory mini camp next week. James will be there for all three days, which means more eyewitness reporting from our James Rapine as the Bengals get into their last week of the offseason program before we have a month of really nothing until we get to late July and training camp kicks off. Until next time, Bengals fans, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Lockdown Bengals Weekend Mailbag. day, and have a good one.